Hi, everyone. Welcome to the SACSA podcast, the first five years. My name is Agassi Rodriguez, and I serve as the Assistant Director of Student Involvement and Leadership at Clemson University, where I work with our student organizations and clubs. And hey, y'all. I'm Erica Aguiar, and I serve as the Assistant Director of the Matchin Florida Opportunity Scholars Program at the University of Florida, which supports low-income undergraduate students who are first in their families to attend college. So Eric and I have been friends for a few years now. We actually met back at the University of Florida in our first year there, so we go way back. Like way back. Like yeah, way back. Erica used to bring some great smelling coffee to class, and I remember turning around, I'm like, what is that? And she said, hazelnut. And we've been <laughs> friends ever since. Friends ever since. And actually... Our friendship is so close that Agassi followed me to grad school, and so we're both uh, proud alums of the CSP program at Bowling Green State University. Go Falcons. Go Falcons. <laughs> and, and I was hoping that was on the mascot quiz. Oh, no! <laughs> no, Tony, that's for later. Don't mind him. We'll talk about him later. <laughs> um, and actually, we're such close friends that um, Agassi this week has decided that um, my goal is to slip the word seahorse into our episode, so we'll see how that goes. We're very excited. So welcome to the new pod on the block, the first five years. This podcast is for those kind of experiencing their first five years in the field, so maybe undergrads who are thinking, I want to go into student affairs, maybe grad students who are in that program, or just SA pros that are kind of coming through their journey. Yeah, and some of the goals that we have for our program is that we hope we can bring you timely information based off of the calendar year and time of the year. Um, We want to provide a public voice for graduate students and new professionals, again, as Erica said, who are maybe thinking about this as a field or are currently in the field, or maybe those more seasoned professionals that just want a different perspective on what new professionals are thinking. Um, We also wanted to engage with listeners like you who care about this topic as much as we do. For both of us, Erica and I, we believe strongly in connecting with and supporting others. And a special shout-out to the first-gen folks in the audience who are the first in their families to engage in these conversations. We see you, and we believe in you. Uh, go first-gen. So today, right, we're here. What are we talking about? Never really done any of this before, so we're excited to launch. Um, we thought that we would tackle kind of the first part of the grad school experience, or the student affairs journey rather, the grad school search. Dun, 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 so scary. Uh, but, but it's not going to be because we're going to talk about it. Um, we know that this is not for every student affairs professional, right? Not everyone had an assistantship, maybe folks went online. So we definitely know that this is you know, an experience that is for some, not all, but we do think that the grad school search and interviews can be a pretty daunting process. So we definitely thought that it would be good to kind of start there and talk about our opinions and our experiences and maybe provide some good advice. And to help with our conversation, we have a special guest today. Our guest is Dr. Tony Coffin. Tony is an alumni distinguished professor of student affairs and higher education at Clemson University in the Department of Educational, Organizational, and Leadership Development. He previously served as department head and program coordinator of the Student Affairs Graduate Preparation Program. And prior to becoming faculty, he worked as a university housing professional at Clemson University, Mississippi State University, and the University of Tennessee at Knoxville. He has a strong history of professional association service with the KUHI in Knowledge Enhancement, Director, Program Chair, and the Editor of the College of Journal and University Student Housing, in ACPA as a Director of Research and Scholarship, Senior Scholar, and the editorial board for the Journal of College Student Development. 
with NASPA as the Chair of Dissertation of the Year Committee and Editorial Board Member for the Journal of College Student Retention, Research Theory and Practice, and SACSA, President and Editor of the College Student Affairs Journal. He is an Akuhuai Parthenon recipient, an ACPA Diamond honoree, and NASA pillar of the profession. Please welcome Tony. Initiate Tony. clap. Tony! <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> we just started, Listen, so buck up. <laughs> what a career. I'm what, a, what an intro, right? I'm tired. Let me take a sip of coffee after that one. Now, I mean, I have a very important question for you, Tony. What is the best thing you ate this week? Actually, it was a Clemson ice cream milkshake. Uh, actually, yeah. it really wasn't real food, but our, our university makes its own ice cream. So I actually had a milkshake, and I got it extra thick. Which flavor? Actually, I'm pretty lame. I went for vanilla. No, Tony! <laughs> hey, yeah, I'm hey, pretty lame. about the midnight rush? No. Don't mess with a classic. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty lame. Uh, I like it, though. I like it. Um, Agassiz, best thing you ate this week? Tell me more. I'm clearly hungry. I had, I'm a, ba- I'm a big breakfast foodie, and I had brunch on Saturday, and let me tell you, I had a chorizo hash at the Flying Biscuit Cafe in Greenville, South Carolina. Mm. I had leftovers, so that meal hit twice. Ooh, we have a Flying Biscuit in Gainesville, as Agassiz knows. Creamy, dreamy grits all day. The best. <laughs> um, I have not been in a while. So I will say this, this meal that I'm going to talk about, because I want to share mine, happened last Friday. I'm still counting it as this week. I went to this restaurant in Gainesville called The Top. It is very, very famous. And I got this burger with bacon and barbecue sauce and these, like, onions. And then it also had a side of sweet potato fries. And I am a sweet potato fry connoisseur. Mm, chef's kiss. Beautiful. If you visit The Top in Gainesville, Florida, you must order the corn nuggets. That oh, is wait. the best thing on the menu at The Top. I hope someone who's listening to this is interviewing at UF so that you can use this information, or at Clemson to get the milkshake. Go Gators. And Go Gators. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. <laughs> so we thought it'd be fun uh, to play a little rapid-fire question where, you know, we each ask each other, as the name suggests, questions. So the way this is going to work is that we are each going to ask one other person a question, and it can be any question, and none of us know what the other is asking. So we hope that this will be a fun experience. So I'm going to go ahead and start it off. My question is to Tony. Tony, if you had to be a glass of wine, what kind of wine would you be? Oh, dear Lord. Um, I actually would be a glass of champagne. Oh, yes. And then a wine I love person. that. I'm more of a champagne. Because you like the sizzle? The fizzle. I, I like fizzle. any kind of champagne. It really yes. doesn't matter. Yeah, I can see this isn't the, uh, the fajita platter at Chili's. There's I no- Language is hard, okay? English is hard. (laughs) My question to Erica would be, if you could go back and be a senior at Central High School in Brooksville, Florida, what would you do differently? How did you find that out? Erica just jumped back in the video. (laughs) She's not expecting that one. (laughs) You're asking me to recall to the class of 2011. All right, I think that I would take it less seriously, knowing all that I know now, and just have more fun. I was so involved in all these things and working on my GPA that I I feel like I didn't have any friends my senior year. So I think that would be it. Um, And also, you know, I would try to, like, go to more football games, do, like, more of those things instead of just, like, being lame and studying. Studying is important, kids. You should do that. (laughs) But maybe have more fun. I think that would be it. (laughs) Great great place there. 
um, Agassi, I'm also going to ask a little hometown question. Uh, so you all may not know this. Agassi is from Miami, Florida. Dale. Um, so what do you miss most about the 305? Oh, my God. Well, besides family, you know, shout out to the fam. Um, <laughs> I miss just being close to the water. Not that I went to the beach every day, but I was 15 to 20 minutes from the shoreline, and boy, was it nice to, when I finally got my car in high school, to pack up the car after school and just take some friends down to the beach and just hang out. That is what I probably miss the most. The, the ocean is definitely a happy place. I'm glad I still live by it. Ah, yeah, in central Florida. <laughs> I'm two hours from the beach. <laughs> That's pretty much beachfront property, right? <laughs> <laughs> to me it is. Oh, okay. Well, now, Agassi, you get to ask me one. Oh, there you go. So my question to Erica, Erica, if you were a type of shoe, what kind of shoe would you be and why? I'm so mad you asked me this. I was almost I, my other question. Ah! Oh um, I would be a Chaco because I think that I'm not very fashionable as a person. I just kind of go for comfort, but I'm always ready for an adventure. That's great. Yep, that's it. And if anyone cares, I have orange Chacos. Go Gators. <laughs> go Falcons, too. Hey, go Falcons. Hey, go Tigers, honestly. There you go. Hey, look at that. I'm impressed. <laughs> Okay, so my question for you, Tony, is you have amassed, wow, what a career. A lot of it in the South. So what is your favorite thing about living in the South? My favorite thing about the South? Uh, probably um, the people. I think you run into people from all perspectives, all languages, all uh, sense of craziness. Uh, so I think it's the people. It's just the you never know if you're going to be with the the person who's the the small town country boy like me. You know, I'm a small town country boy. <laughs> grew up on a farm and hate nature. Um, or you're going to meet the person who's lived in Atlanta. You know, so to me, it's the people. I love that. As a southern person, I really feel respected and seen. Okay, Central Florida. Yeah. <laughs> Weaky watchy, leave me alone. City of Live Mermaids. Honestly, I that's thought Tony right. was going to say Dolly Parton. But uh, I, thought that, I, I did want to say that, but then I'm afraid I'd be judged. I would not would have judged you because I'm a Dolly Parton fanatic. So. Her, her birthday just passed. I know. So, Shout out to the Capricorns in the, in the audience. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so my question to Agassiz is, if I could be your dog, Rory, oh. what would it tell us about you that nobody else knows? <laughs> I did my homework. You did? <laughs> what did you say? You could say, oh, I'm such an easy yes. That dog just looks at me, and all I want to do is cuddle with her. <laughs> I, there's so many times that dog does things, and I'm just like, oh, come here, you. Let me just cuddle. <laughs> so I'm, a, I'm really bad when it comes to What kind of dog is it? Uh, she's, a, she's a retriever mix. Uh, she's beautiful. She's a brindle dog which I learned is a type of color. Uh, I, people said, oh, she's a Brenda. I'm like, no, she's a retriever. They were talking about the color, not the type of dog. Things you learn when you adopt animals. Uh, top don't shop. That's my plug. But she'd probably say he's, an, he's real easy. Just look at him with these eyes and he's, he's down. You can get what you want. You can get what you want. I'm scared for kids. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well. Off with Agassiz. <laughs> off with Agassiz. So, Next thing we're going to do is I thought it'd be fun since uh, we have, uh, you know, collectively we have quite a, an amount of student affairs experience in the South. Uh, mind you, it is probably skewed more towards Tony, but collectively it's a lot. Mm. Um, so I thought it'd be fun to play a little game called Name, Name That, that 
Scott. We hope that that lined up. (laughs) I hope that lined up. For the viewers at home, please pretend that lined up. So we thought it'd be fun to play a little game where we asked, I will ask actually, Erica and Tony, uh, the names of different mascots or a university, and they have to tell me their mascot, or I'm just going to say a mascot, and they have to tell me which university it's associated with. So again, either the name of the mascot, the name of the university, or what the mascot is. Okay? So, for example, if I said the Gators, they would say University of Florida. Go Gators. What happened there? Albert and Alberta? There you go. Okay, well, that works too. There you go. I, I so, wanted to give others a chance. There you go. I thought I'd, I'd throw out an easy one at first. So Thanks. I'm going to go ahead and start. So the first one I'm going to say, I'm going to give an easy one. I'm sure you all are going to get this, hopefully. But the name of this mascot is Aga, University of Georgia. I, I didn't know that. Pew, 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 pew. It's a cute little bulldog. Hopefully our producer is going to add sound effects. I really want a bell. <laughs> Uh, but we'll, we'll talk about that in the in the editing process. Uh, may I just say I apologize to my current roommate, Elizabeth Delaney, who is a UGA alum. I am going to get in trouble for not knowing that. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. We, but now I know. We, you know what? We will, we will persevere. We will persevere. Here, you can, you can make it up on the you next one. You can redeem on the next one. Exactly. Okay. East Carolina University. Oh, 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 they're the, uh, the pirates. Pirates. Hey! What's the name? Uh, pirate. No. Petey the Pirate. I should have known. It was on the tip of your tongue. Yeah, I, I that know it. Right I off know. my next statement. It was right there. It was right there. Mm-hmm. Okay, y'all. We're going to keep going. So the last one I'm going to throw out there is the Catamounts. Western Carolina. Oh! So who won that? Tony, Tony's two out of three. Sorry, Erica. Um, I, I know the answer to this, but maybe maybe for our, our listeners, um, what is a catamount? It is a type like of... Like a type of tiger, lion, mountain lion. Yeah, it's, it's in that family of, like, felines. <laughs> okay. Thank of you so course. much. Yeah, big cat. There you I go. Big cat. You wouldn't have it as a pet. Yes. <laughs> in Florida, we could really have anything as a pet, though, so... That is true. Florida man, insert blank. <laughs> <laughs> we so love Florida. the Florida man. <laughs> so, Agassi, you got any more? No, that was it. Okay. So, right. out of three, Tony's the winner. I was nervous. Pew, 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 pew. Can I, get, can I get a second place something? What? Of course oh, you I, do. I get second? Thank you. I think by default you're second place. There's only two players. Okay, you didn't have to say that. <laughs> I'm happy with my second place. These millennials. So the, now that we know. The, trophies, that, right? the, the certificate is in the mail. Thank you so much. Oh my goodness. So, now that we know that I'm not very good with mascots, I'm a little sad. We want to start with some questions more geared toward the kind of grad school process, the grad school interviews, maybe some mascots intertwined, um, just to kind of get a discussion started and see how we're all, or our experiences and advice and kind of things of the like. Um, And I just want to ask first what the most challenging part of getting to the interviews is. Uh, you know, for me, I think for students, it's the waiting part. Mm. You mm. apply to multiple schools, or at least many students apply to multiple mm. schools. It's like, a, you know, and you get excited about this one, and you interview, and then you wait, and then you're another one, and you wait. I think the pacing is the hard part. 
is pacing yourself for the long haul. It's not a short process for most students. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's hard for them. They they think it's going to happen quickly, and it's it's a long, laborious process. Oh, that's a good word. Oh yeah, and I think for me, honestly, being first gen, um, the imposter syndrome of do I belong in this grad program? Why would they want to hire me? I, you know, someone said that I felt like a seahorse out of water. Ding, ding, ding. Ah! <laughs> I got it. But really, you know, prepping for all these interviews and just trying to, you know, rewire my brain to say that I do deserve to be in a grad program and that I'm, you know, capable and, and talented was really, really hard. And I had to lean a lot on people like Agassi to kind of remind me of why I wanted to do this. Yeah, I think the other part that's hard for students is, just learning how the process works mm-hmm. because some campuses do it in person. Some people do on Skype. Some people do a day. Some people do two days. Some people don't do interviews at all. Some people do it over the phone. Every program is different. And I think the poor student who's trying to navigate that, mm-hmm. there's no consistency. And particularly if you're first gen who, yeah, sure. who already feel a little bit overwhelmed. A little bit. Uh, uh, yeah. I think just the, the lack of consistency makes it hard. Absolutely. I mean, mm-hmm. I just want to co-sign on everything I was just said. Those are definitely some challenging parts. I will say logistically, as someone who uh, took a gap year and had a job while I was interviewing for grad school, I would say one of the most challenging things was coordinating interviews while having a job. I mean, we some of these programs didn't notify me until a month or, you know, a month-ish before. Or three weeks. <laughs> or three weeks, LOL, Clemson. Before (laughs) the interviews actually happened, and then I had to coordinate flights, so that means that I had to pay out of pocket for those flights. I had to coordinate travel. I had to work with my job, and thankfully I only ended up interviewing at two universities where the interview weekends were kind of back-to-back, so I only had to take out about uh, a week of work time. Um, But my supervisors very much sat me down and said, hey, like, we can only give you this one week. Uh, We can't give you much more. So, honestly, that was as someone, again, who is for Shannon does come from a low-income background who had a job to just sustain himself while he prepared for the next step. I think just coordinating and getting those flights. And as we know, flights get more expensive as you get closer to the day. So some of those flights were not cheap. And I think trying to coordinate all those things uh, was one of the most challenging things to just physically getting to those interviews and being able to talk to those, these folks. Yeah, much less the emotional part that comes with that, getting emotionally ready. Yeah. You know, you, you got the logistics, but you also got the emotion. You know, you're putting yourself out there, and it's, it's just both of those together are, are, I think, a struggle for many students. Yeah. You know, I think they struggle with that. Um, the, you know, the other thing I think with the interview that's a challenge for many students is, um, it, and I don't really know how to say this, is... Um, understanding the role of that interview. Mm-hmm. What is it for? Is it for admissions? Mm-hmm. Is it for an assistantship? Mm-hmm. Is it for both? Yeah. Um, you know, ask the question on the front end. What is the role of this, this interview, and how does it play? Have I already been admitted? Have I not been admitted? You know, I think that's another challenge for a lot of students. They don't really know what the interview is. They just know they have to do it. It's a requirement. Yeah. Let me check it off my list. Yeah, some institutions have, as Tony was mentioning, academic interviews, right. which was, you know, in some cases, I was like, what do you, what does that mean? Yeah, how's that different? <laughs> what do you mean? Assistantship mm-hmm. interview, you know, and thankfully I had some great friends like Erica and some other colleagues that definitely walked me through that process, so shout out to uh, Friendsorship, which is vitally important in this we field. Um, colleagues who can help lift each other up, because we lift as we climb, right folks? 
Um, but yeah, definitely the emotional part of just like, you know, what do I do? Like, what does this even mean? Absolutely. So the next question I kind of toss out there, um, what do you all think are some of the things that the most successful candidates do when it comes to the grad school service and the interview process? Um, and Erica, if you want to start off. Yeah, so I thought a lot about this. Um, kind of, you know, I've hired now three graduate assistants in the work that I'm doing, so, or, you know, where I work right now, so I've kind of been on both sides, which is really, I think, a unique perspective. And this is going to sound so cliche, but I think the people that I've seen be most successful, not only in the interviews, but also in kind of tackling the whole weekend, is to take a breath and relax. Yes. And to recognize that this is not the end of everything, that this is an interview, and that really you are interviewing these offices as much as they are interviewing you. And I, you know, will be honest that I couldn't get that through my head when I was interviewing, but to say, I am just here to share my experience, to have a conversation. You know, my best interview, uh, I don't know that I've ever told Agassi this, but my best interview during um, these days at um, Bowling Green was for a housing position that I absolutely did not want. Um, it just, I was not really interested in housing, and I was so relaxed, and I gave the best answers I've ever given because I didn't get in my head. So I think that's definitely something that I try to tell students. I start every interview with a student, with a graduate student, with whatever, by saying, I just want you to know this is a conversation. This is just for you and I to get to know each other and to kind of hear how your experiences could potentially be a fit for what we're looking for. And I see students physically relax. I see their shoulders go down from their ears because then they feel like, okay, this is really just us getting to know each other and not this, if you don't land this right now, you're going to not be successful. So I definitely think that when I see people kind of put that in their head, that they end up being a lot more successful. Yeah, I think, Erin, I think you had a key point there is, is for me the, mo the really successful candidates are those people that are flexible, mm -hmm. that are open to a new assistantship. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe your experience has been in orientation and housing. Be open to an academic advising assistantship. Absolutely. You know, be open to different location. Um, I, I think those are the students who, who navigate the process easier. They have that sense of flexibility, and they don't, they don't go in putting all their eggs in one basket mm -hmm. and say, I'm only going to do this. Um, I, I think they do have, a, have, a, have an easier time of it because they're more open and they're more flexible. Yeah, a lot of students have curiosity and a sense of enthusiasm, but, but I think that sense of being open to new possibilities is critical. You know, that's what grad school is all about. Mm -hmm. It's stretching yourself and not doing more of the same, but something different. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> other thing I think sets students apart for successful are the people who've done their homework. Yes. Because let me tell you, the title of the program tells you absolutely nothing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, we could be college student development, college student affairs, counselor ed, ed leadership, uh, human student personnel point of view. I mean, just name it. We could be whatever. You better do your homework. And the students who've done their homework by looking at the coursework, that tells you more about the program than the title does. Talk to current students. You know, don't hesitate to ask a faculty member. I'm interested in Clemson. Can you give me some alums and a current student to talk to? I do that regularly with folks. They're going to tell you the real story. I'm going to tell you what I hope you want to hear. <laughs> They're going to tell you the real story. You know what I mean? So I think those, those are the students who really are prepared. Yeah, and absolutely piggyback, piggybacking off of the, the homework piece, I think what, as an interviewer, as someone who you know, has seen a lot of students come through and read a lot of resumes and seen a lot of interest, 
I think what I've seen most successful candidates do is if you're interviewing for a role that you don't have direct experience in, connecting, and even yeah. if you're interviewing for a role where you do have direct experience, connect your experience to the role. Just because you were an orientation leader does not mean that you were set up for success working in orientation. If you don't make that direct connection that says, here's what I learned and here's how it applies to the role. I know for us, our position descriptions are open and available to students to review. So I'm going to expect on some level that you have read the position description and you are telling me you are looking for this kind of skill, I have this kind of skill, and let me tell you about it. Yeah. And really, I really strong advocate for the STAR method. Um, if folks have, are not too familiar, um, it is situation, task, action, response. Um, so making sure that you are uh, connecting what you have done, what you've learned, and the impact it had. We are going to see a lot of students who may have, may have similar experiences in the past where they were an orientation leader, they were president of the sorority fraternity, uh, they were a mentor in a program. And I love when I get to hear students talk about, and this is the impact I had. As an orientation leader, I worked with X amount of small group leaders, and this is what I learned, and this is my takeaway. Being able to connect those experiences, because to Tony's point, and I think more, uh, placing more broadly about the position titles, um, just because you're an orientation leader does not mean that you may have that, the conceptualization of, like, here's what I learned and here's how it applies. So it's always great, and especially, again, if you're interviewing for an area um, that you don't have direct experience in, those transferable skills. So if, you, if you are interviewing for my role and you have never touched a student organization a day in your life, I want to hear how what you have learned applies to student organization. I want to know what you have learned and what you have done applies to student involvement and student engagement. Because if not, someone else is doing it and I'm probably going to go with another candidate. Um, and just being able to listen to that and being able to say like, okay, they made it clear, this is the connection, this is the connection, and that's just amazing to hear. Yeah, I think Agassiz's point's a good one because so many students have all had very similar types of experiences. You know, they've all had very similar kinds of opportunities. So how do you demonstrate you've done your homework? And that's what I think Agassiz's saying. Demonstrate to me you've done your homework about the type of program, the type of assistantship, how I can show my opportunities will add to the learning of that, that, that assistantship process. Um, do your homework. Yeah. And I think especially for at least, you know, my program, a lot of schools don't have very well-established first-gen success programs, so I'm not expecting that people have experience right. in this. <clears throat> I'm expecting that you have done some homework and can say, I may not have done this, but I am first-gen, or here's how I worked with TRIO programs, or I worked with these students in housing something. You know, again, I love to hire people who have no experience because I think it's really cool to give them that experience or, or let them earn it rather. You know, we don't give anything, but you got to make some connection. So I love that, Agassi. Absolutely. Um, kind of along that line, um, what do y'all think or what do you wish you would have known going into this process? I will say <clears throat> I, I arrived at my first, uh, my first uh, graduate school interview <laughs> Um, and there was a faculty roundtable discussion where the faculty got to go from table to table and talk about what they do, what they research, what they teach. And I will say <clears throat> it was in that moment that I realized, holy cow, the faculty of a program really matter. That was, that's something that I will say I knew going into this interview process, um, but it's something I wish I really would have known, the fact that you're going to have probably a core set of faculty, maybe, you know, four to six-ish faculty members who are going to teach your core coursework. And those faculty are going to matter. And maybe you aren't interested in, you know, researching with them, and maybe you're not interested 
um, you know, in, in, again, collaborating with their research. But what they study and what they work on really matters, and it, it really shows what they bring into the classroom. And I, in that moment, I, the faculty turned their attention to us and said, okay, what questions do you have for us? And I said, <laughs> to be honest, I, I didn't even know this was going to be a part of the interview process. Uh, I'm just a little lost. This is my first interview. Um, and thankfully, there was a lot of grace in that moment um, with faculty members who I later learned had a lot of experience in the field, had a lot of accolades, were, you know, now thinking back, pretty big shots. Um, and I literally sat in front of some of these people like, I I'm so sorry, I, I, I don't know what, like, what, like well, how does this work? How does this all work? I'm new to this. Um, but definitely taking the time to see, you know, even to Tony's point just a second ago, um, the coursework and who teaches. You know, especially with, the, with programs that have elective components, what do those electives mean? Do you take those electives inside, like within the Department of Higher Ed? Are they outside of the department where you have some flexibility to focus in on maybe some areas that aren't higher ed related, but maybe you want to focus on counseling, which is not a core function of some other programs? Whatever that is, but researching and doing your homework and being able to say, like, okay, these are the faculty. These are the folks I'm probably going to spend a good amount of time with over my two years, or I'm going to at least interact with a fair amount because you're probably going to have maybe socials with the faculty when you're in the program. Those faculty, again, might be your advisors in the program, and you're going to have to meet with them one-on-one. -on -one. So do those folks reflect the kind of people you want to be with, the kind of people you want to associate with, the kind of people that, you know, look like you? Like, that is mm -hmm. key and that is critical. I know, I, you know, shout-out to my Latinx folks where sometimes we get to places and we look around and we we'll say, okay, we're the only ones. So. Again, do those faculty reflect the identities maybe that you hold that you want reflected? And maybe if they're not reflected, okay, maybe there's another program out there for you. There are so many programs nowadays that, you know, and they, you can keep looking. You can find the program that the faculty, you know, are aligned with what you are looking for. Yeah, I think to, to take that even further, I also say look beyond the faculty, but also are there adjuncts that regularly yes. teach, particularly if those are practitioners mm -hmm. in the division? What are they bringing to the classroom? If you're a student who really needs a theory to practice program, you're going to love those practitioners because they're bringing in real-life crisis examples. I can talk about crisis management and teach you all about it, but me the biggest crisis is you turned your paper in late. <laughs> it's not the crisis that I dealt with as a director of residence life. Oh. So that, those folks are another component, I think, that sometimes get overlooked. And many programs rely heavily on adjunct faculty yes, or visiting faculty or whatever they want to call them. Uh, so don't forget that group of people as well uh, with that. For me, what I wish I'd have known, and I realize for me it's been longer than it has been for you all when I went through this process, but what I wish I'd have known is how tiring it was <laughs> and how expensive it was. Snaps. It Snaps. is tiring and expensive. Uh, I, I know that's pretty simple. I don't know what more to say to that. The other thing I wish I'd have done, which I did poorly, I wish I'd have listened to all those people who told me to practice interviewing before I got there. <laughs> no, they So we're telling you now. I never practiced interviewing. That's not a good thing. Don't, don't do that. Practice interviewing. If you've never done a Skype interview, practice one. There are two questions that off the bat you are going to hear. If you are interviewing for grad school, I can guarantee you in some way, shape, or form, you are going to get a question on who are you and why are you interested in this position? And why are you interested in student affairs? Yep. I can guarantee everything that I own, everything in my bank account, which is maybe not yeah, a whole lot to put on the line, but I'm just going to put it on the line anyway, that those questions are critical 
And those questions really determine, you know, is this a fit for what you're looking for? If, you know, if you're, you're interested in student affairs that you want to mentor students, that you want to work one-on-one, and you're interviewing for a role where maybe you don't have that direct student contact, maybe that's not the best role for you. And maybe the interviewer is going to realize that when you talk about, like, why you're interested in student affairs. But I can guarantee you, above all, practice those two things. Mm-hmm. It's almost like an elevator pitch. Be able to talk about yourself yeah. and, like, what you care about, and then also just being able to say, this is why I want to be in student affairs, and this is why I'm interviewing for this program. Yeah, I, I would recommend you practice with two different people, with a group of student affairs people who can tell you about your content, and then with a group of non-student affairs people who can tell you about your behavior. Oh, you know, you never looked at the screen. Mm-hmm. You said the word just a lot or like a lot or such a lot. Um, you know, they give you different things because one is more about the content. Did you answer the question? Did it have depth? You know, did you provide enough examples? But the other is about your just your interview skills uh, associated with that. Uh, so I would say do both. Both are going to be very important. Uh, I didn't do a very good job with that. I think students today are better, but I think they could get better. Yep. I'm taking notes on all of this. Let's be clear, because I clearly can do better too. <laughs> um, I think yeah, retweet everything that you all have said. One thing that I that kind of stuck out to me, um, I'm a two-wing three on the Enneagram. I'm a big people pleaser, big heart. Um, I wish that I had known that it's okay to not connect with every single assistantship interview and that I don't need them all to love me. Because, one, I'm only one person, so I can really only have one assistantship. And, two, I can't be a fit for everything. I, I can't. I'm not that good. Um, you know, it's okay that, you know, like I said that, I interviewed for a housing position, it was okay that I, like, didn't get an offer from them. Uh, one, I didn't want it, but two, you know, you'll connect where you connect and you'll, you know, get a good experience where you land. Don't get so hung up on, well, this office didn't want to interview me for a second round because it, it's just, it's always going to be this comparison piece. And believe me, I've worked through that. Agassi can, you know, probably nod for an hour about how I've compared myself to a lot of different professionals and people in this world. Just focus on what you care about. You know, it's okay that it doesn't all happen and that you're not in every single functional area because I think that's not what this is meant to be. So, you know, know your value and know your worth and know where you're, you know, you feel like you're supposed to be. And know that if it doesn't click, it doesn't click. Um, and, you know, I, I interviewed somewhere, and I, I'm a big orientation person, though I don't do it now. And I, it was a really bad connection in their orientation office. Like, it, we didn't mesh. And I still was like, but I love orientation, so I should be there. Like, why, why won't they want me? I love orientation. you got to try to get some of that stuff out of your head, which I recognize is easier said than done, 100%. Absolutely. So, I'll toss out the next question, um, but what do you all think is a common misstep that you see from candidates? Actually, Erica just took my answer. I know. Oh, she I'm one of my Because for me, it is people going into the interview wanting to be liked, therefore they act when they interview. And mm-hmm. then they get frustrated when they get there, and they're not the same person that the hiring person saw because they acted in the interview. Be yourself in the interview. Don't you, – you don't – don't go into it as I want people to like me. So it's very much what Erica just said. Be yourself. Be authentic. And if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, move on to the next one. Yeah. 
I, I'm just going to piggyback on that because Erica and Tony both took my point. So <laughs> I'm just going to piggyback and retweet and all the great wow. stuff. Um, it is definitely um, to the, that point, you know, you need, a, you need a one yes at least. And the reality of the situation is that those folks who are sitting across from you interviewing you for their role, you're interviewing them too. Right. Like you all, this is going to be, you know, depending on the length of the program, but, you know, a lot of programs are two years in length where you're probably going to be in this assistantship for two years. It's important that you're going to be okay with this idea of, like, these are the folks I'm going to work with for two years. So if you go into this interview with this idea of, like, I'm just going to get them to like me instead of I'm going to be myself and, you know, show myself off as best as possible and hopefully that, that we mesh well together, um, it might not be a fun two years because you're going to realize, well, I actually don't want to be in this functional area or this role, and they're going to realize, well, this is not the person we talk to. And the, the, I think the, uh, the, the, part, you know, the part on the interviewer is that we are trying to make a commitment to, for two years in about 30 minutes. 20 minutes, really, when you kind of get through, like, the, the actual interview process and trying to leave five to ten minutes for questions. Um, but we're also trying to make a commitment for probably two years. So, honestly, realize that, like, we're trying our best to try to make a connection and to try to showcase what this role would be like in real time. Um, I don't hide away from what this role might look like. As a matter of fact, when I talk to my graduate students, I'm like, I want you to be real about the challenges that you've had in this role because they are valid and they are real. Um, and I want a student to be prepared with these are some of the challenges we have, and that doesn't mean air out dirty laundry. It doesn't mean to uh, represent yourself in a negative fashion, but that just means, like, this is the reality of what we're looking for. Here is what we're looking for. Are you down or not? Because at the end of the day, again, we're both looking for something here, and if there's a false connection there, then it's better that maybe we are looking at a different candidate potentially. Yeah, the other common misstep I see students do is not really know what their non-negotiables are. Ooh. You know, what are your non-negotiables? You know, if it's location, it's location. But oh, yeah. what are they? Now, don't have a lot of non-negotiables because yeah. you – but know what you really value in your non-negotiables. And, you know, and, and, and be open, again, what we said earlier, to different experiences. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. You know, be committed to the profession, and the other parts will work themselves out. Mm -hmm. uh, but the, I don't know that students know what their non-negotiables are and what they value. Uh, and I think they need to spend a little more time thinking about that and, and sort of owning that and being proud of those non-negotiables uh, as part of the process. I don't have anything else to add. That was perfect. That was fantastic. Wow. Go Gators. Go Tigers. <laughs> so I think um, this will kind of tie in a little bit, but this is um, one of our last questions. Um, what do we think is a needless worry for students? Um, and I will just say my quick answer, um, don't worry about the fact that it's freezing and it's negative four and you want to walk across campus in ballet flats because you think it's professional, just put on the snow boots, Erica. You'll be fine. <laughs> I love it. Oh, God, I never want to live in snow again. For me, the needless worry, I'll be very quick, is, um, is don't worry about what your competition is doing because you all do the job. You all do the grad school process just like you'll do the job process very differently. You're a cohort of people, support one another as you go through this profession. But I see a lot of students say, well, they did their grad search this way, therefore I have to do mine. No, you don't. Do it what works for you. Do it the way that, that's, that's authentic and real for you. Mm -hmm. And just quickly piggybacking off of that, I think another needless worry is, to Tony's point, is 
your experience is your experience. Don't try to have someone else's experience. So if you are searching with friends and your friend is interested in a program, you're like, well, I like my friend, so I want to go to this program. And, you know, this program isn't really for me, but I love my friend and I want to be with her. Um, don't, you know, don't follow the flock. You know, just do what it is that's best for you. Um, and, but um, do what's going to be best for you in the long run. And if that program matches, great. If it doesn't match, then that's also fine too. Um, but realizing that, you know, two years is not that long of a time, but if you're in a place you don't like, in a program you don't like with people that you kind of also don't like, it's going to be a real long time. So just make sure that you are, make, you are out there doing what is best for you um, and picking what is going to be best for you. Because, again, there are a lot of programs out there, um, and those programs are actively trying to recruit folks. Again, this is a two-way street. So making sure, make sure that you are asking the questions that you need answered, that you know your non-negotiables, and you know what it is that you value in a program. Because just because, you know, X institution has the most prestigious of programs in the country and is the best program and has the best faculty, that does not mean it's the best program for you. So do what's best for you. Yeah, there is no one right way to do this process. That's right. Mm -hmm. The right no, way for not. you. Oh, that's a great way to end the question portion of this. Um, but that's actually that's a wrap on, on kind of our, our podcast. Um, thanks, everyone, for joining us. First episode of the first five years presented by SACSA. And for those of you who are not aware, SACSA is the Southern Association for College Student Affairs. And so we're really excited and want to thank them tremendously for kind of allowing us to, to do this and to try something new. Yeah, and special shout-out and special thanks to Miles Surrett, um, my supervisor, for producing this episode and for Loki being the best supervisor out there. Okay, wow. Um, so shout-out, I guess, to my supervisor who's not producing this, but <laughs> me anyway, Leslie, my girl. Gee, Miles are great, too. And also a very special thank you to our first guest of our podcast, Dr. Tony Coffin. Thank you so much, Tony. My pleasure, my pleasure. Um, if you're interested in reaching out to Tony, um, you can email him at cawthoughts, C-A-W-T-H-O-T, at clemson.edu, or you can follow him on Twitter at Tony underscore Coffin. And if you want to follow more of SACSA on social media, you can find them on Facebook at facebook.com backslash SACSA fan page, on Twitter at SACSA tweets, and at Instagram at SACSA grams. They're very clever. Um, and you can also connect with us on Twitter. So, Agassi, what's your Twitter handle? You can follow me at Agassi underscore R. I promise if you follow me, I got lots of higher ed content and a lot of not higher ed content. And I promise pictures of my cat and dog, which, as Tony mentioned previously, are very cute. Um, and you can follow me um, at Erica M underscore Aguiar. That's A-G-U-I-A-R. I do not have any animals, but what I can promise is also higher ed thoughts, a lot of Broadway, a lot of Disney, and I'll be honest, a lot of conversations are on the makeup brand Glossier because I'm obsessed. Hey, you know Kiki Boots closes April 7th. Oh, yep, good to know. <laughs> good to know. We'll talk. We'll talk later. <laughs> we'll talk offline. We'll talk offline. So thanks again, everyone. Hasta luego. Hasta luego.